Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on international business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast, episode number 37. And um, if you're back from holiday and you're listening this in the, the month of September 2015, the recording date is September 1st, so you might just be back from holiday. And as I um, have promised you in a previous episode, this would be a weekly podcast and we would alternate one or I would alternate one interview with a more content um, related podcast. Well, this is another Culture Matters podcast, but we're going to talk about more content rather than interviewing. So um, I have to apologize and excuse myself to some extent because I have to sort of uh, get into the uh, the mood and, and to the swing of things when it comes to talking to myself or talking to you rather, but then to a mic as I'm recording this. So that's not always easy to do. All right, September 1st, 2015. Welcome to the Culture Matters podcast titled Why Company Culture Matters. It's a blog post that I've written about a month ago when we were talking at the beginning of August and, uh, and I had quite some good responses on that one. So I figured why not elaborate a little bit more and put this into the form and shape of a podcast as well. Some people just prefer to digest information um, through their ears, audible, if you want. And other people just uh, um, appreciate to, uh, to read that more. If you want to read the article, by the way, you can do so by going to culturematters.com slash why hyphen company hyphen culture hyphen matters or just go to the articles list and you will find it there of course um, when you're listening to this in the future then you might have to scroll down a little bit but uh, I guess you would know where to find this all right let's get to the, uh, the the meat and potatoes of this episode then why does culture why does company culture actually matters well very simply put I think it can actually make or break your company um, and hence, it can break your success as well. And the good thing um, about a culture or a, a company, a company culture as such, is that you can change it. It's moldable. So if it's broken, and uh, there are plenty of examples of companies where actually the company culture is broken. For instance, one of them is Amazon that's been in the news lately. And then I'll talk a little bit more about that as we, uh, as we progress here. But um, in a sick or bad company culture, it is actually not going well. And when company culture is not going well, or when the company culture is actually bad, what happens is that the good people tend to leave first because they have an alternative to go to because that's where they're good. And the organization, um, if you want, becomes hollow from the inside out because the not so good people tend to stay and then it sort of spirals down becomes even worse and worse. I'm using the words uh, company culture here, but I might as well talk about organizational culture or corporate culture because in my dictionary, they all talk about the same thing. The other thing that needs to be cleared up, or at least that I'd like to explain as well, is that every organization has a corporate culture or company culture or organizational culture, even if you work alone. 
If you work alone, you have a certain way of doing stuff and being and, and valuing certain certain things, etc. So also that makes a corporate culture. And of course, if you're working in an organization where there are more people, even if it's the two of you, three of you, or thousands of you, then there are uh, there is a definite organizational culture. Even if people say, well, we have no organizational culture, that's not true because every organization has a organizational culture or company culture. Now, within one organization, you can have separate or different sorts of organizational culture. And probably the easiest way to understand this is to to, um, compare marketing and sales. The organizational culture that might or that could be present in an organization on the marketing department could be significantly or somewhat different from the sales department. Somehow, in my experience, working in uh, big corporate organizations, marketing and sales can hardly, you know, go through one door together because they're always blaming each other for the company results that shouldn't be the way. Anyways, um, that's how I see things. Then there's um, something that makes sense to clarify as well, because there are two sorts of cultures, and sometimes people mash them up and they they um, uh, sort of throw them on top of each of each other, which I think doesn't do justice to either one of them. What I'm talking about here is the difference between organizational culture or company culture or corporate culture and so-called national culture. Now, national cultural differences they talk, for instance, about the difference between Americans and Mexicans or the difference between Brits and Russians or Chinese and Indians. Those are called national cultural differences. And of course, within a country, you would have cultural differences as well. Within the United States, there are cultural differences within one country, but those are not called national or intercultural differences, but more so intracultural differences. So that's there as well, but that's not the uh, the thing I'd like to talk about. So that's one side of the coin. The other side of that same coin is this organizational culture that we're talking about. Now, national cultural differences, so the differences between two nations or two countries, they talk more about values. And your values are being taught to you by, well, first of all, usually your parents or the people that raise you. Um, and later on, that moves on to a school and school teachers, etc. But by the time you're about, say, 12 or 15 years old, those national values are instilled in you. And what are what are values, for instance? Um, I don't believe in in, uh, in general or universal values as such, because what's a good value in one country is a bad value in another country. In general, you could say, okay, what is good and what is bad? So different cultures, different countries, that is, judge some what is good differently than other countries do. So good, bad, uh, beautiful, ugly, allowed, not allowed, etc. These are called values. Uh, And you know that a national value, a cultural value, national cultural value has been touched upon, if you want, or or infringed, if that's a good word to use. If the the thing that's happening at the moment, if you you look and are very surprised and say, well, that's really weird. And if you if you sort of make half that own that awareness, that internal awareness, you know that this is a a, a value that's been touched upon, either rightly or wrongly. Could be beautiful, uh, could be ugly, could be good, could be bad. Right? Okay, that's so much about national cultural differences. 
Now, again, like I said, this is mainly about organizational culture. And organizational culture is not about values, although many organizations claim that they have certain values, but I don't believe that. I don't buy that. In other words, I'm being contrarian here. Um, it is more about the way people work. So let's put the ex- an example, for instance, would be meetings, right? Now, let's say, um, let's see, you use a stereotypical example. And um, and this I'm not going to hold this against anybody, but let's talk about the Italians and the Germans. Okay, now when it comes to being on time, you might agree with me that the Germans have a tendency to be more on time in general than the Italians. Well, that's that's a national cultural differences difference. But when a German and an Italian work in one organization, the organization can determine the way we work is that meetings start on time or that meetings are allowed to start, say, 15 minutes later, or something like that, whatever the outcome is. And it's not so much the value, because you might agree or disagree with it, but you can still do it as the way it's been valued in the organization. In other words, the way people work. So organizational culture doesn't talk about values, but talks about the way people, or how people actually perform the work that they do. A nice example of this is, and to put this in in more perspective, if you want, is the um, the seven S model that was developed by McKinsey in the early or late seventies and early eighties. The seven S McKinsey model was actually um, developed by Richard Pascal and Anthony Athos, but maybe made more popular by Tom Peters and Bob Waterman in their book *In Search of Excellence*. Now, the nice thing here about this 7S model or the McKinsey model, if you want, is that it very nicely explains the importance or where company culture, organizational culture, corporate culture takes place within an organization or within um, how people perform their work. Because at the center, it's called shared vision. And that is the corporate culture. In the words that the 7S model uses, um, they call it shared vision, and that's in the center. But the shared vision, and I use that in terms of uh, my uh, um, writer's freedom, if you want, or podcaster freedom, is that the shared vi- vision, I translate that into the corporate culture. And what is meant with shared vision? This is centrally the organizational culture. All the other components lead to this shared vision and mission if an organization has one. Now, there are different, um, uh, and I'm looking at a screen here, there are different colors, and it's hard to, hard to uh, maybe imagine, but the 7S model, if you haven't seen it ever, they are they consist of seven circles, if you want, and in the center, there's the shared vision of the corporate culture, and there are, at the top, there's strategy, structure, and systems, and they have one separate color, and a different color is formed by the other three, or the final three, which are skills, staff, and style, and I'll quickly run them by you. Where um, I'll start with the uh, the people skills, if you want skills, what people are able to do to accomplish the organizational goals. Staff, the actual people working in the organization, but also what kind of people are working in the organization. The style is the management style being used in the organization and how people interact with each other. The structure, then, but that is a different. Um, variable, if you want, because there are fast and slow variables, and I talk about that in a moment. The first three skills, staff and style, are so-called slow variables, and structure systems and strategy are so-called fast variables. So, what is structure? 
Structure uh, is defined as how do communication lines run, including roles and responsibilities. Then there are systems, which are the tools that people use to make the organization work, including its own infrastructure. And finally, there's the strategy, which is the alignment of the organization in order to achieve its objectives. So the two colors are important to realize, but I'll, I'll get to that in um, a moment. So why does culture matters or corporate culture? Why does it matter again? Well, recently, and again, this is a, um, a, a timely example that I'm using. There are many organizations that uh, I could pinpoint where corporate culture, organizational culture actually didn't go really well. But there was an article published in August 2015 in the New York Times which is called Inside Amazon, Wrestling Big Ideas in a Bruising Workplace. The company is conducting an experiment in how far it can push white-collar workers to get them to achieve its ever-expanding ambitions. It's an, uh, it's an article written by Jody Cantor and David Streitfeld uh, on August 15, 2015, and it comes from the New York Times. And uh, it, it talks about the corp- corporate culture, or possibly the failing of corporate, the failing corporate culture of Amazon that we all know so well. And um, I want to sort of illustrate that how how what you know what an impact corporate culture, organizational culture, can actually have on how people experience their everyday job. Here's um, a quote from that same article: "Nearly every person I work with, I saw cry at their desk." Well, there you go. It would certainly be, here's another one, it would, it would certainly be much easier and socially cohesive to just compromise and do not debate, but that may lead to the wrong decision. And this is, by the way, um, by Tony Galbato, who is the Amazon Vice President for Human Resources. The uh, The article is, is full of quotes that, which actually indicates the, uh, the, the, well, the maybe still sorry state of affairs because it did actually got get quite some attention here um, of, uh, of Amazon. Uh, here's another one. I was so addicted to wanting to be successful there, at Amazon that is. For those of us who went to work there, it was like a drug, the drug that we could get self-worth from. Um, and it's, a, it's a long article and I'll... Uh, uh, I'll have one more for you. When you have so much turnover, the risk is that people are seen as fungible. You know that tomorrow you're going to look around and some people are going to have left the company or have been managed out. I would now I would say that this is not overly positive um, as such, but I leave that up to you. The, I just wanted to illustrate that the impact that corporate culture can have on how people are um, feeling their their daily job, their experience, and how they're you know what an impact that can actually have. Okay, so this is why I think corporate culture matters and why it's important. Now, how do you change a corporate culture? Because that's what I said in the beginning as well. National cultural differences or say the fact that a German, that Germans are the way Germans are is something that you won't change. You can't change Indians into something else. You can't change Americans into something else either. That's called national culture. But there is more possibility or flexibility, if you want, when it comes to organizational culture. Organizational culture is something that you can change, albeit slowly. It's like mold an organizational culture and into something else, morphing it into something else, something maybe um, that, that is more profitable if you want or more sustainable if you want or whatever the objective is. How do you change an organizational culture or how do you change a corporate culture? In reading out the um, or explaining to you the 7S McKinsey model, I said that there are uh, slow variables and fast variables. The 
fast variables are strategy, structure, and systems. And a system, for instance, would be a clock mechanism where everybody walks in or gets in in the morning and has to sort of, it's like a time clock. You know, you, you clock in, you clock out. That's a system, and uh, or it could be part of a strat- of a, uh, a structure as well. And what an organization could could want with that is that possibly more punctuality or more insight into uh, how effective their people actually are operating. But if people resist this, if they th- if they if they think that this this clocking in and clocking out is actually a bad idea, they will find ways to circumvent this. So th- the thing is, changing an organization. By using the fast variables, being strategy, structure, and systems, is something that doesn't always work. Or I would even go as far as to say it hardly ever works. And if it does work, usually it's a lucky shot. And um, usually when, when management has the idea that we should change the organization, the easiest way to do is to change systems, structure, and strategy. You know, people get moved around, people get uh, promoted upwardly, outwardly, inwardly, or whatever, you know, dumb-sized, um, downsized, or whatever you want to call it. And get these images of Dilbert cartoons here. So these strategy, structure, and systems are the fast variables. In other words, you can change them fast, but the impact they have might be very limited or they might actually work counterproductive as well in the example of the clocking in and clocking out. So what? How, how should you do it then? Well, I think you should focus much more on the slow variables because their input is much much, how do you say, more significant. Um, style, staff, and skills. That is something, those are the so-called slow variables, and the slow variables have much more of an impact on the overall outcome and results of the organizational culture, and hence the outcome of what the organization is willing to achieve. Now, the crucial thing here is, if you would agree with me that starting with the slow variables makes good sense, then I need to get into an analogy, a bit of a a sidetrack here, um, and come up with the analogy of a map, because... Many organizations, when they are changing their corporate culture, corporate structure, what they do is usually they start with something and they start from the spirit or the experience of management. So management says we should do things differently and hence they start to do things differently. But the analogy here that I would like to introduce here is, is that suppose you are with a map in Paris, right? You're a tourist in Paris and you've got a map with you. And if you've got a map with you of Paris and you're being dropped in the middle, blindfolded in Paris, somewhere in the city, what's the first thing you do? You take out the map and you look where you are because only if you know where you are, you can determine how to get to where you want to be. I hope that makes sense. So only if you know where you are on the map, so you'll go to the street corner and you say, okay, I'm, I'm on this and this boulevard and this and this street, so that means I'm right here, but if I want to go there, I need to go this and this direction. But you can only find out if you actually know where you are currently. Not many organizations, if not, well, uh, any organization that I know of really, starts with measuring their current organizational culture where is the organizational culture right now and and, you know in in relationship to where it wants to go or where it should go in order to achieve its goals and objectives and that is something that is crucial if when it comes to changing organizational culture you need to find out where you are right now the advantage of doing that finding out where the company is right now is is that you can actually make your intervention much more 
tailored if you want or potentially much more successful um, because you know what people perceive you you can actually find out what people want or their willingness and likeliness that they will actually move in a certain direction and on the other hand you can avoid the mistakes of making interventions that would actually be counterproductive because the people will actually resist them because I mean, let's let's face it, and let's agree on this. If you want to change the organization, ideally, you start with stuff. You start to make stuff, and stuff are our interventions that uh, the the people in your organization would actually support, or which possibly may even f- um, face the least resistance. Well, the uh, example of the map, I think, is a is a, is, an, is an excellent an analogy where companies often fail to find their starting point. They know their end point, but they don't know their starting point. And hence what happens, they do sort of this trial and error uh, organizational culture change management kind of thing. If this doesn't work, we'll try something else. And if that doesn't work, we'll try something else again. But a lot of people actually uh, get reorganization tired, if you want. And if they're tired enough, they will leave. And as I said earlier on, the people that will leave first are often your best people that will leave. And then you will... You will. You might end up with the people um, that are well, possibly not the best. All right, um, we are about twenty, a little over twenty minutes in this uh, in this podcast on why company culture matters. It matters because it can change. It can you can change it, it. You can influence it, and it can help you achieve your goals in a much more efficient and effective way, providing that you actually do the right steps to get there. And one of the first steps to take is to know where you are, because only if you know where you are, you can actually determine how to get where you want to be. All right. If you want to find out more about what I do uh, when it comes to culture matters, organizational culture or national culture, then why don't you go to culturematters.com and possibly work with me as well. All right. Thank you very much for your time and listening. Next week, we uh, will have Madi Sharma on the on the show. And um, Madi will talk about how culture plays a role in the European Union and the empowerment of women and all that within a cultural context, of course. So next week will be another interview. In two weeks' time, I'll be back with a podcast which talks more about the content stuff of Culture Matters. Thank you very much for listening. Take care and talk to you soon. Bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.